You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com, on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter, and take your first step into a larger world. Welcome everybody to Bridger Transmissions number two, where we're going to unpack the action-packed premiere of Rebels Season 4. It's the fourth and final season, and did the premiere live up to the hype? Let's find out. I'm Kyle. I'm Em. Welcome back everybody. No Corey this week. He's in transit between Toronto and Montreal. Uh, but we couldn't let this go. We talked about it on the main show. We we couldn't get have this podcast without Corey's uh, passion and thoughts about Rebels somewhere here so uh he sent us a clip of his thoughts on uh heroes of mandalore so i figured let's let's give Corey the first word and then we'll go from there hey guys first and foremost i just want to say that uh, it's really unfortunate that i'm not able to be with you today um kind of traveling on the road uh which kind of sucks i was uh, really looking forward to this you know going over the first episode of season four but uh that's not the case uh anyhow i, I just figured that i'd uh Send you guys a quick message with some of my quick thoughts while you guys mull everything over. Um, first and foremost, I don't know, I think uh, The Last Jedi might have stole some of the thunder from this series because, I mean, granted, I was super excited for it, but uh, I don't know. It just didn't really hit with the bang that I was hoping for, or the feels, whatever it was. Don't get me wrong, I, again, I was super excited for it, but not as excited as I thought I would have been. Um... Alright, so a lot had to happen in this episode in a very short period. Uh, the episode, when it started off, it took me for a while to get into it. I thought some of the dialogue between uh, Sabine and Ezra was a little forced, a little possibly a little too playful amidst all the danger that was going on around them. Uh, Ezra kind of stumbling and bumbling around with his jetpack kind of irked me a little. Bit of a, an eye roll moment, but uh, you know, I get it. Uh, I I was really impressed with the with both the entire arc. Again, a lot had to happen in a short period of time, and they successfully completed that. So now that they can move on and uh, move forward with the story. Uh, some of the things in the episode, I guess, that stood out for me. Um, I really, really liked the way Kanan handled himself in this episode, uh, especially with Hera. Uh, Hera was almost saying that they were on loan from the rebellion, and uh, Kanan wasn't really having any of that. Um, he also kicked some major butt in this episode, which was awesome. And just, yeah, his movements. Uh, he was he was pretty awesome the way he was jumping around like that. Um, Sabine as well. So graceful with the jetpack on. So deadly and efficient. I really, really liked her use of that. And I hope to see more of that. Um, what else here? I was surprised that Bo-Katan didn't know that Sabine created the uh, the weapon. I was under the impression that the better part of Mandalore was aware of that, and that's one of the reasons why her family was kind of shunned from uh, Mandalore and put on the back burner. Uh, that's not the case. I'm surprised also the way, well, maybe not Sabine, but the way Bo-Katan uh, confronted her and threatened her, I thought that was a little interesting. Um, she didn't say a word, she didn't say boo, she was kind of respecting her elder kind of deal. Fen Rao said nothing, uh, Kanan made sure that Ezra didn't step in, 
And she kind of took it because she had it coming. She's facing her past now. But uh, I'm just kind of surprised that no one kind of stood in afterward. I know Fen Rao said, you know, uh, are you impressed with her as I am? But at the same time, I'm just surprised he didn't say anything in the sense that she's done so much for the Rebellion and her people that, uh, I don't know, I just thought this, they would have said a little more in that regard because she has paid her dues and, you know, she's facing the past and she did that with a lot of honor, which is awesome. Uh, another standout thing, just her character arc as well. Uh, they talk about it again, again with... Bo-Katan and um, Fen Rao, they, you know, they're they're talking about her development, her growth. So there's big things in the in the future for Sabine. Uh, what else was noticeable here? I really like the the history they provided behind Mandalorian armor. That was really really cool. That it had been around for uh, centuries and generations, passed on and on, and that's who they are. That's their art, the art of war. I thought that was really cool. Uh, Ezra opening the blast doors on kind of remind me, I, I don't know if it was the Siege of Mandalore or the Battle of Mandalore, but when Obi-Wan opened those doors in uh, the Clone Wars, I thought that was a little reminiscent of that on a smaller scale. Uh, other than that, really good episode all in all. Uh, they covered their bases. Uh, I'm not going to say it could have been better, but uh, it was emotional. It got me in the feels. It hooked me after about, you know... Ten minutes, I was fully drawn in. I watched it with my parents, who actually very enjoyed it, much enjoyed it as well. Uh, so where does that leave us now? I just want to ask you guys quickly, um, where does this leave Mandalore for the future of storytelling within this series alone? Will we see the Mandalorians again? Will they be a better, better uh, part of the Rebellion, or are they just going to be tied up with their own business, uh, forming their own government, or preparing for an oncoming attack against from the Empire? Uh, yeah, so that's about it for me, guys. I hope you guys have an amazing recording. Again, I wish I was there with you. Uh, Rebels is awesome, and uh, so are you guys. That's about it for now. Ciao. All right, Em, so there there was Corey. I miss you, drunk uncle. <laughs> Stay cool. <laughs> Good callback to episode one. <laughs> I, I had to. <laughs> I had to. Oh, that, that, that was very appropriate. Drunk uncle, oh boy. Uh, all right, so we'll keep some of Corey's thoughts in mind as we, as we roll along here. But to kick things off, I, I want to ask, am I the only one who keeps waiting for Ezra's scar to heal? Like He's had no. those scars on his cheek forever. Is it, I guess they're there to stay? Yeah, they're there to stay. That's like his, you know, mark of battle. They just, they, they, they still kind of look fresh to me. Like, they should have, shouldn't they have faded by now? Faded a bit. <laughs> Oh, see, maybe. What, what I'm doing Let me here see is a picture here. I'm picking up my brother's mantle of of griping about scars. Don't you dare! <laughs> Don't you dare! He looks pretty darn awesome with those scars. Uh, yeah. Well, Corey has this beef with Kylo Ren and his the Force Awakens scar versus the the Last Jedi scar, and how they've kind of migrated across his face. He he won't let that go. So I'm I'm carrying the torch for him today. All right, so the show kind of kicked off uh, with with Sabine leading a a small group of Mandalorians and rebels against an Imperial stronghold, seemingly in the middle of nowhere on Mandalore. Now, did did you get the sense that they were walking into a trap? Well, Kanan had a point. Why would you? Why would they put him there? Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like they were spelling it out for us. Kanan's too smart. Really, he's like, 
above average. Just now he totally understands war. He's been through the Clone Wars, and now he's going in the middle of... He's now bringing, being brought into the fold of the Rebellion. He's seen enough war. He's, he's smart for, too smart for that. Which, which begs the question, why did they bother? <laughs> like, just, you know I guess, what? for the action. And yeah, and there there was tons of that in this 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 two two part premiere. Like there was, that was probably probably for me the best part of of the show was just there was a lot of big Pretty lengthy colors. action set pieces. Pretty colors. And that yeah, it was it was very flashy. Um, oh, and yeah. the humor, the humor was just oh my goodness. I probably laughed at those forty five minutes, around forty five minutes. I was probably laughing as much as that one, just one episode altogether. The, yeah, I mean, Ezra was really comic relief in this one. Him, him with that backpack, like he just couldn't get that thing to go. And then I saw this funny tweet by Pablo. And he's like, jetpacks are activated when you scrunch your butt. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, that's so funny. Good old Pablo. Yeah, good old Pablo. Yes, yeah, so I mean they, they know really... Pablo is, is like they're living under a rock. Oh yeah, I mean everybody just goes on a first name basis with Pablo, whether they know him or not. Yeah, yeah, they really hit on that hard with, with the whole comic relief and Ezra not knowing how to use that that jetpack. I I thought you know a lot of people didn't like that. For for what it's worth, I I thought it was pretty funny. I think Corey did not like it. With his bumbling and fumbling. Uh, no. Sorry, that was just funny. <laughs> and, and I like how, um, like, when they were talking about the jetpack between Sabine and, and Ezra, you'll, you'll get on the fly and Chirp, Chopper starts che- teasing him. Oh, good old Chop. Yeah. He, he, was, he, he was full of it in this episode. Oh, yeah. It was so cute seeing him, like, when all the Manzos start charging forward. He's got his little camera up there. Everything clear for me to go. Well, he's he just—I I got the sense that Chopper's like, "I'm not going out there." Screw that. And let those guys go out there and get shot, shot up, and killed. <laughs> ah, bet you Corey was thrilled about that. <laughs> He'd probably be happy Chopper just to stay right there and pick pick his spots. So, another thing that I thought was pretty funny, but I don't think was intend intended to be funny, was watching Kane and do his thing. Um, but what's his face? Uh, Fen Rao. Fen Rao is standing right next to him. Like, would you want to stand that close to a blind Jedi swinging a lightsaber around? Oh, no. Like, but I, I like how they, like, they got a bromance maybe going on there now because, like, show off. I don't know. I kind of feel like th- those two are, like, best friends. Well, the, yeah, and 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 Kanan and Callus seem to make peace at the end of season three. Oh, before we even talk about that, let's just wait till next episode because I still that we still got to see that relationship unfold. Hopefully, hopefully we won't get robbed of that. We better not, or I'm gonna have to file a complaint and get Dave fired. Wow. No, I'm joking. I'm <laughs> totally joking. I'm totally swinging joking. a big axe here this week, folks. Oh no! No no no! It's not for this episode. <laughs> so while while Ezra's doing his his kind of best Jar Jar impersonation and yeah, that's it's that's bingo. kind of what it was, right? That bingo. W- 
that was Jar Jar during the Battle of Naboo, just kind of flopping around, but yet finding success. Failing upward, as our friends at TSW call it. I love that. Uh, so the, it looks like they're defeated during this little miniature little uh, raid. They stunned her. They stunned her. They stunned Sabine. That was... They actually did it. Yeah, they actually got the best of the rebels, and I—I I didn't. I knew Bo-Katan was going to be in this, but I—I I didn't know that she was going to be in this so early. And here she comes. She swoops right into the rescue, and the the tide turns back towards the rebels. And you know, we—I guess they had their first little miniature victory, but then they—they they find out that yeah, this this whole thing was a trap. There's there's nobody in this empty building. They, they just they, they led you here. And then, um, right away, Sabine looking to get rid of that dark saber. Like she really doesn't want that thing. No, no, she doesn't. But neither does Bo-Katan. Like nobody wants this dark saber, and nobody wants to rule Mandalore. Like what? What's going on here? Pass the buck, as us Canadians would say. <laughs> does nobody else say that? I, I don't know. I haven't heard Americans say it yet. That's maybe too, um, what's the word? Uh, fill in the blanks, people. I don't, oh, man. They, they can use their imaginations. Yeah, they can use it. Um, but, yeah, I haven't heard Americans say that. So, Well, it's, it's one of, this is one of the things about Mandalorians, because going back to Clone Wars. You know, they I were was, so prideful. Yeah. Like, like they wanted power. Well, they, I've always, this is one of the big things about Star Wars uh, continuity that is, it's probably the biggest thing for me that I don't like and not that I don't like, but I, I just don't understand it. Like there, there's, there's the Mandalorians who at one point were pacifist, but yet way back in time, they were warriors and kind of still are. Like I'm, I'm so confused as to how their culture and society works. Like nothing they do ever clears it up for, for me. I'm just so lost when it comes to Mandalorians, the houses, the clans. I don't get it. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I just feel like like no, nobody wants to rule Mandalore. It's, it's just total chaos with these people, and I, I almost feel it, like they don't bring a lot to the table as far as like the overall Star Wars narrative goes. Like, there's, they're a self-contained group of warriors. And they don't, to this point, they don't reach outside of their own little bubble to to affect anything. And I kind of noticed this when Bo says no, when she um, rejects the first time for the dark saber, and when she said that she's not the leader that Mandalore is looking for, she's hiding her face behind her helmet. That's kind of like cowardly. Yeah, well, I mean, she made a point to that a couple times, right? Like, she called Sabine out about the, the, the Duchess mm-hmm. being, it, it being a cowardly I, weapon. Yeah. I mean, honor is a big deal. You named the machine after my sister? Oh, man. You know, there, there was another funny moment where, where Kanan and, and Hera were talking and be, just beating around the bush over yeah. what you know what they're, they're alluding to, which is for Kanan leaving the rebellion together. And, it's, and, and Chopper's like, come on, this is all obvious. And yeah, it's, it, he's echoing our frustrations, right? Saying, come on, guys, would you just get this over with? 
and he's been there since the beginning. I mean, I didn't, uh, like, he saw them almost kiss in the short. The like, when they were introducing the characters in those little shorts. Yep. He, he's seen it from the beginning, so he must be, like, more frustrated than us. No kidding. Um, and then we got a, a really, an, another long uh, chase sequence, which was really fun. And it, the whole thing reminded me of the chase at, uh, have you seen Indi- Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? You know what? I have that in my notes. It was a fun fact on the Star Wars guide. Really? Yeah. Was that, uh, that whole sequence was modeled after Indiana Jones? Uh, yeah. Um, the uh, the chase to save uh, Ren from inside of the troop transport was inspired both the truck in Raiders Lost of Art and the tank chase in Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Awesome. I'm so happy I picked up on that because I, I, I did not read the episode guide. Good for you. All right. I'm giving, giving myself a pat on the back here. Oh, I'm giving you a ghost pat. Don't worry. Okay. So one thing that I thought was hilarious. So as they mobilized... You know, they heard some the the explosions off in the distance caused by uh, the Duchess, and they, you know they take off with their jetpacks and mm-hmm. Kanan gets on the speeder with um what's his name Alric 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 yeah why is Kanan driving the speeder? <laughs> you know I actually thought about that too, but you know what he's so in tune with the Force that he's very confident with himself now. I think so. To see him evolve, he's kind of evolved in in a way. I yeah, how... no, no doubt. I mean, I, I'm I'm halfway joking. Yeah, that I know he sees everything. If he can if he can deflect blaster bolts with no problem, then he can probably see while driving a speeder. But if I'm if I'm Alric Wren, you'd be scared. I'm like, uh, uh, dude, um, you want me oh. to drive? No, no, I got this. <laughs> like, who are you? Scent of a woman? Like, what is that? I, I, I thought it was kind of odd. Oh well, I think he was just so happy that he's freed. He doesn't. It doesn't matter now. <laughs> Which begs me to talk about actually. There's two things, but um, with with Kanan, he also had some humor too during that. When uh, drop your weapon, I've got a better idea. Yeah, well, is that the part where they told him uh, not to move? No, no, that was in the second. Oh, right, yeah, that was, that was in part two. Oh, I'm moving. You go, bro. You go. And then uh, well, I have to get to this because this was so funny for me. Because well, I think it's obvious in the first show. I'm a huge uh, Ezra and Sabine shipper. Okay, I want to see them together. So when Ezra freed um Elric. Uh he's like, take this, sir. And you haven't heard Ezra really formal like that. Yeah, like he was talking to his father's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Or, sorry, his girlfriend's father. With her, with her. I mean, we're just <laughs> like, yes. Yes. Well the uh, Felonian friends are re- they're they're really pushing those buttons with us with with Kanan and Hera and with now with Ezra and Sabine they're really playing that up and I like how at the very end of the the whole uh one two 
Ezra and Sabine share a little nod or stare, whatever you call it. And I was like, aw, so cute. We're still, but we're still firmly in the will they or won't they stage. Oh, well, uh, it doesn't matter. I think they will. Uh, I'm, I'm like 150. If, if they don't, if they don't, then put it in a book. Please put it in a book. <laughs> this, this is, this has got to happen for you. This has got to happen. Like, this is like, but, uh, between either, like, I want to see, everyone knows Kanan hair is, it's like a thing and it, that it's going to happen eventually. So that's like the number one thing and not far from two. I want those two up there too on the, on the pedestal. We'll see if they even get the opportunity. Ezra may well, not even get a chance, right? He, there's this, this could, season could have a bad end for him. Don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. It's, it's, it's something. Ezra is so important to me. If he dies, uh, like a pe- piece of me dies. Cause um, a couple of my friends have um, compared me to him. So, like, like I said, if he dies, I die. My some of my soul gets sent to um, the Force Ghost. Well, well, and l- let me let me take you back to 1986. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, when I was, you know, negative just, ten years old or something. Um, uh, no, um, five. In '86. Oh, 86. Yeah, yeah we're, thought... we're, we're going way back. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's uh, 14 years. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm not that, I'm not that, oh, sorry, young. All right, well, yeah, listen, if you, if you can vote, it's all good. But in 86, Transformers came out with their, their actual feature-length movie, and they killed Optimus Prime. I don't know if you've seen <gasps> this movie or not. Oh my god, they killed him off? Yeah, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that if, if we survived Optimus Prime dying... I'll survive the Ezra dying. Yeah, we'll, 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 uh, we'll all get through Ezra together. I'm going to need some um, electronic tissue. Or maybe just some real one, you know, it's, it's okay to cry. No, like you're going to need to send me some electronic <laughs> tissue over the email. You do that. Okay. <laughs> And then well, at, uh, at the end of the episode, the first part, we kind of get ex- we, we get our first look, or for, I guess first half look at at, at the, the weapon Duchess? at the, the Duchess. Duchess Sabine's homegrown weapon that they've been talking about for so long. That wow is it, it, here it is finally in front of us, and to see the devastation it can bring, it it, it was truly a frightening weapon. Yeah, it was. I I don't know how how she got past you know that traumatic experience, even though she was with the ghost for a, a few years. So well, you did, I gotta you give what... kudos to her. She she really did hold herself together, and she was brave and resilient, and they got the job done. Well, and you knew it was always something that ate at her. I mean, she kind of has, has said as much. But yeah, I mean, to see this thing in, in action, you you can get why she's so regretful. I mean, this thing is just devastating. Like we saw, we saw the visuals in the trailers. I think going back to celebration, even. Yeah, I, and I really wish I picked up on that, but obviously I didn't. I mean, to Sabine's weapon, it's much like that um, 
back in the Clone Wars season two, Defenders of the Peace. Um, remember how they shot out a bomb and it would not hurt the droids, but it would inflict on living being. Right. It's the same principle. Yeah, it's like a smart weapon. Yeah. And yeah, this this I mean, this one incinerates people and turns them to ash. Like the, we we end part one thinking that uh, Ezra, uh, sorry, Sabine's mother and brother were caught Tristan in the crossfire. Oh, uh, I think I, if they did die, oh well, a little chunk of me also would be upset because well, I really like Ursa a lot. I love her voice. She's definitely very proud, you know, Mandalorian. She doesn't put up with any crap. She, yeah, she knows they're, they're kind of yeah. She's very stern, and you're right. I, I like the voice acting on the table here. But moving it's into so unique, seeing the family interact, and they got all of these different voices. Yeah, well, even uh, Ulrich's voice. Yeah, it's very different. And I, like he, he, the way, the, even the character model and the voice, it's very Bail Organa. Yeah, very. Like I. I I would all, I, for a brief second, I almost thought it was Bale. I was like, wait, well, wait. I thought they'd be pulling some kind of crazy reveal on us. No. Like, <laughs> no. Bale has a secret life as the, the dad of two families. Oh, my God. What the scandal? The scandal throughout the Republic Senate? Oof. Oh, my goodness. That Ouch. would have been nuts. Ouch. Um, yeah, so season one ends where you... Or episode one ends with everybody thinking that uh, Ursa and Tristan were were dust, and then part actually, two... I had a hope that they didn't. Yeah, I, th- I think everybody's kind of hoping they that, that they somehow had come through. But uh, in a way, so episode two picks up, and we're, I I think they had gotten away with it. Like if if Filoni and, and company wanted to pull that that lever to make us hurt more for Sabine and for, for this to have this, using this weapon to have had a real consequence. I think they had gotten away with it. I think it, what they had filmed worked like it, it was successful in making everybody think that, yeah, this is all Ash and this is what they can show us. Uh, but yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of, I mean, I'm happy for Sabine that obviously her, her family is still intact but I was a little bit bummed that they backed out of that because I, I think it would have been way more impactful. Yeah, if, more real. More real, like war. It would have risen the, risen the stakes. It would have would have added some emotional heft to this episode. So I was a little bit bummed out by that. Yeah. And then, of course, another big action set piece, another big, huge chase, which was, again, this... Corey talked about it in his voice clip. Like Sabine with the jetpack, she's she's just so slick. They're all so good. Yeah. The Mandalorians are so good. I mean, the, the... Oh my god, both comment. A Mandalorian with a jetpack is a weapon. I'm not a, man, a Mandalorian. I don't want to be a Mandalorian. Oh my god. That was so funny. But hey, to that point, they're so effective with those jetpacks. Yeah, she was, I mean, she, the way she just flew out there and went head to head with a tie fighter that was amazing she's so badass like the the character of her is like 150 badass you just can't get any more badass than that yeah no it's 
not many people would just go out there with a jetpack and take on a TIE fighter and win. <laughs> not like that. No, then I mean, again, she's got years of experience flying that thing in M War too. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that was awesome. And of course, Ezra fails upward again, right? When I when I saw him for the first time come out of that fly, I was like, on that TIE fighter, I called out, uh, you hit a fly. Yeah, I mean, we know what really would have happened if a TIE fighter slammed into a human at yeah. high speed, right? Like, <laughs> oh my god. We know, we know that Ezra should be kind of scattered about Mandalorian atmosphere right now because of that impact. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, hi. Like, this is a casual day. But anyway, they, they, they both took out their, their respective TIE fighters in, a, in yeah. a cool sequence. Like, this whole episode was almost like a... I don't, I'm not going to call it fan service. But it was all these this these geeky visuals that we've been wanting to see for so long. Mandalorians all over the place. Jedi with them. Uh, the, those Imperial Super Commandos. I mean, this weapon, or this this episode is going to be infamous for its action sequence. I think it just gets better and better, I guess, as we go into the into the season. Because with that clip in the name of rebellion, I was like, if this is what we're going to see some more, like coming down like that, well, we're we are in for a treat. Oh no doubt. I I think they're going to pull out all the stops for this season. It's going to be fantastic. But then. My friend enters the picture. I hope you hear the sarcasm. Here comes Grand Admiral Thrawn. I'm gonna I'm gonna nickname him uh, Grand Admiral Yawn from now on. That's it. He's he's. <laughs> I I really like the character. I, like I, I how... want to like him. I love his pop. I love how Dave even incorporated some artwork into a lock cat. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff is cool. But I like he, the voice actor is even cool. When when he when yeah, um, it's not Mads Mikkelsen. It's it's his brother. I can't remember. I can't remember Lars. his name now. Lars. Yeah, Lars. you're right. Thank you. I was pretty impressed, but I got really fed up of it really quick. I was like, dude, show some range. Come on. <laughs> I I know you're always calm and even, but this is a bit much. I I just got. Hey, it's just it's probably just me because. I think most people like him, but I, I, I'd be curious to see if he does. Like, it was really interesting to see him in um, uh, Heroes of Mandalore because, really, he's got nothing to do with like their um, war is a civil war. It's not really open rebellion. So, for him to even have his nose stuck into their business, it's pretty big, I guess. Well, I'm glad you said that because I f- I also felt like Thrawn was shoehorned into this episode. I didn't. I really didn't feel like he needed to be there. Like he, oh. he he stood there in hologram form and just sort of spouted off all this wisdom and almost almost like in the condescending way that he does, telling people what they're not seeing and saying, "You need the we- the weapons creator. You need Sabine Wren." Like all that just for, so that you could tell your cronies to go catch Sabine. I felt it was there was a needless shoehorning of, of Thrawn into the episode. I feel I feel like there's there were other ways they could have come to that conclusion. Not unless they uh, meet us. 
Palpatine probably ordered Thrawn to go contact them and talk to them about this uprising that they've been dealing with for, well, if in our form, in our time, it's been almost literally a year. Because Sabine left uh, to go with her family back in February. Yeah, so, yeah about so, that. So this conflict has been going on forever. Well, in our, you know, time. Maybe in their time it's been, what, two months? We'll never know. Yeah, I'm not sure what the time jumping is here. Uh, but we, we quickly find out that the Empire can't get the Duchess working to its full potential, and hence why they need Sabine. And then conversely, we find out that all the Mandalorians, especially Bo-Katan, they're really not happy with Sabine for creating this this weapon. Like it's it's a very un-Mandalorian weapon in that it it brings no honor to the battlefield at all. It's, no it's just this mass killing away. machine. No wonder she ran away feeling disgraced. Yeah, and it got it got her family kind of booted out, right? Yeah, other the other clans betrayed her and the clan. So just to see like. The interaction after the weapon was released, and to see that, yeah, they're mad. They have guns pointing, and Ursa and Alaric are still willing to defend their daughter. Yeah, it was, it, that was nice to see. I mean, I, I think what's cool about this is that we're getting yet another um, iteration of Star Wars being about family. Yeah. Obviously, we have the Skywalkers, and the Ghost Crew in itself is a bit of a family. Uh, but now we have the the Wrens, the Mandalorian Wrens, which are and another family. Are, the Mandalorians are so special too. Their their armor, the his like what um, Corey said in the clip, their history behind the armor. It's so special, it's so unique. Yeah, it's like it's it's in their blood. It's you know, there's history to each and every set of armor, which I like. That was a piece of lore about the Mandalorians that that. I, I do like, and I hope we get to explore at some point down the line. I want to see Yorick in, uh, um, oh, sorry, Ulrich in his armor. You know, to complete the whole Mandalorian look of a family. That's true, right? Like, he was kind of just in, like, his plain old clothes. Like I, his prisoner clothes. Were, the, were those prisoner regs? <laughs> because it looked like they prisoner were just, like, suit. his choice of clothes. Because he's... He's very much like the artsy-fartsy one. Like he didn't well, seem to have yeah. an aggressive bone in his body. I like how Sabine and him were talking about his art, or their art. Like, she's gotten better. Yeah, and better. She's, she's kind of trash-talking her dad at the same time, right? Yeah, and then when Ezra says something, he gets a dirty look. <laughs> I thought we were rescuing a warrior. No, he fights with his art. Yeah, I, I find that... Kind of interesting. Like, what's up with her dad? Why Why is he not a, a warrior like all the rest of them? I wonder how Ursa fell in love with him. Just curious. Um, it's a, I think it's a valid question. Maybe one we'll find the answer to someday, because maybe he was part of the whole pacifist thing with, with Satine. I, I think I remember what Dave said one time, is that he married into her clan, and he took her name. Okay. Because she was, I guess, more powerful. She is a countess, so 
Yeah, I mean, all the Mandalorian, it seems like the most powerful Mandalorians are women, politically speaking, with, with Satine and now with Ursa. Uh, Sabine seems to be a sort of a dark horse in that race, Bo-Katan now. And then there's also one of the clans, they were stepping up, and she was a woman too. Yeah, what, what, maybe it's a, a matriarchal society. Not not too many of those that we know of in Star Wars. I um, think it was Clan Elder. You're like a dictionary with this stuff. Well, I did watch it like, <laughs> I, I can't count how many times, and then I listened to it at work. I turned on the episode and left the screen on and shoved it into my pocket. Wow, so you, how many times do you figure you watch this premiere? Oh my god. At least, well, I watched it twice at school today. <laughs> On a while, break, I hope. Uh, no, while studying for my exam. <laughs> was, your, was your exam no... on Star Wars Rebels? No, <laughs> it's on math. Oh boy. Yeah. So twice at school. Um, geez. Maybe seven to ten times at home, going Whoa. over it, over and over, and then once listening at at work. And mind you, I was working at work. So yes, hashtag dedication. No kidding. What if there's an award? You get it. <laughs> no doubt. All right. So I, one of the things I want to talk about was this. I'm, I'm, I'm I call him Fake Saxon. He's Gar, oh, yeah. he, was he oh, Gar Saxon's brother? Fun fact. Um, you know HBO Rome? No. I know of it, but I've never seen it. Okay, well, Ben, um, Gar, and then Tibber, they're all voice actors from that show. Well, that's interesting. So T this guy's name is Tibber, you said? Tibber. T-Y-B-E-R. Ah, okay. Tibber, Tiber? No, Tiber. Tibber, Tibber, or okay. whatever. Call him Commander Saxon or Governor Saxon. I'm, I'm still calling him Fake Saxon. Yeah, well, I think Gar was more of a leader, to be honest. I just loved his composure and his voice. Gar, bit... Gar did bite the bullet, right? It's, it's over for Gar. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, they, like they... Long, long time. Yeah, somebody. Oh, it was Ursa that shot him, right? Oh yeah. Okay, she finished him off. Finished him. Imperial so, dogs. So his brother, Tibber, has sort of taken over. At least, at least he's sort of the, the the proxy to the Empire, right? Yeah. And he seems he seems almost drunk with power. Like, and he's crediting Palpatine with giving him all this power. Like, yeah. What's with this guy? Like, <laughs> I don't think there's any way Palpatine gave this guy an audience, much less giving him any authority personally. I think this guy's full of, <laughs> full of crap. Hey, you never know. But then again, he he felt like just sluggish. Like he could have been more on the ball. I think these are Mandalorians. They are built for war. Yeah, you're right. I, I keep forgetting that part. These uh, these guys but, are always on when it comes to that stuff. But you know what? He was on the ball when it came to that core. And activating it when Bo and Sabine walked in. Yeah, I mean, that, that whole siege on that Star Destroyer, again, you had to know that was a trap, right? 
Oh yeah, for sure. Like they're, Come they're, on. they're flying up to it. And I'm like, wait a minute. There is no chance this group of how many boarded that starter story? Like seven or eight people. I, I, I almost counted 10. Yeah. Maybe even more. And I'm like, there's no way those people would get that close to a Star Destroyer without being detected. There's just they no way. Like this, on. this is clearly another trap. They were led on easy. That's too, and the shields weren't even up. I, you know, that I could let go if they, if they're parked at home in their, their little base. I can, I can be okay with shields not up, but somebody not at the switched watching the scanners. Come on. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, okay. This yeah. is, this is, you guys are walking into another trap. You know, for the second time in about an hour, your time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. Smarten up. Hour? I thought that was maybe like 12 hours. Oh, whatever it was. Yeah, it's, it's a very but... short time period that they're just stepping into another trap with both feet. Come but on, they... guys. Let's jump off the cliff again. Exactly. But so they have the whole plan to go in there and destroy the Duchess. And... Uh, Bo and Sabine find it, at least the core of it. And of course, uh, uh, fake Saxon is ready for it. And he, he, he sort of, he sort of oh. stuns them both, right? Oh yeah. He got them good. And then he finally, he finally coerces Sabine to up the range and power of the weapon to full because they could never figure out how to do it. So Sabine, fine. She gives in. I, she can't take the torture anymore. And she, she what presses a sequence of buttons? There you go. <laughs> I'm like, come on, come we... on. I kind of figured that out. Like, well, exactly. You tell me that you have you have people currently building a Death Star that couldn't figure out how to jack that thing up to eleven. Yeah. Come on. And of course, you 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 know that from the moment that uh, Sabine had mentioned recalibrating it so that they could nuke all the the, the stormtroopers instead. You knew that was going to happen at some point, and it's exactly what did happen. Like she, she reconfigures it. Uh, uh, Dumbbell Saxon presses the the go button. Poor Ezra getting hit by that. Yeah, he got he got he got his melon shook up there, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so yeah, he, the, the, that weapon goes off and smokes every star every almost every stormtrooper within that star destroyer. Yeah, and then uh, Sabine uses the dark saber to destroy the core of the of the Duchess. And, we and have... sorry, but I have to mention this: when she c cuts that in half, she basically cut herself free too. Yeah, that's that's slaying her demon, slaying the dragon of her past, right? Yeah, that's exactly what that was. And yes, yeah, so I think the coolest visual of the show was the group of heroes like jumping out of the star destroyer and es escaping as the whole thing just sort of exploding. That, that was a cool shot. It was the animation is simply artwork. Now you can tell that the animators just love their job and it's not a job. If they're going to make it like that, it's definitely a passion for them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we've been getting a lot of really great shots. I'd say particularly in, in the last three years, since yeah. the Force Awakens, with Star Destroyers in particular, like we've, we're just getting so much stuff. Um, well, even Rogue One, you know, having having a Star Destroyer parked above Jeddah, and it did, uh, so many great Star Destroyer shots. The the the, uh, the scrap Star Destroyer 
in The Force Awakens. Those were amazing shots. And now this one, it, it seems to be something they, they, they know that they can turn into an epic eye candy shot. It, I, I love just, it. Just like, wow, right? Blown away. Blown, yeah, I mean, the visuals are, are, are just stunning. And I love how Bo also, like, real Sabine in a bit. Because, you know, she's Sabine's got some serious fire in her at the moment. She's young, right? So I really like that that um, speech she gave to to Sabine. Um, it's not our way; it's their way. You came here to make things right. Will the future of Mandalore be one of honor or cowardice, hope or fear? The choice is yours. That yeah, that's that. I mean, that's again a nod to the honor that they have as Mandalorian warriors. Mm-hmm. It's ironic for her coming out of her because she was part of Death Watch. But I saw some negative comments on YouTube about her. I'm thinking, well, it's been, well, 18 years, as they pointed out in in um, some of the episode guide, because they wanted to keep herself, what, like, Bo-Katan animation. So they set up the years by 18 years. And That's, I'm thinking... Okay, so that kind of gives us an exact point on the timeline yeah, i guess okay. yeah so this so right now we're about one year maybe two years out from a new hope probably that, and that makes perfect sense she was part of death watch but in those 18 years she's seen like the rise and fall of death watch right with maul taking the dark saber and then him gone totting off with it in the Son of Dathmere, which I can't wait to read when the paperback comes out. Oh, that's that's next month, right? Uh yeah, in November, and then and then Empire coming in, and then she would not listen to him, and then power being taken away, and she's been through a lot. Yeah, no, yeah, she's she's perfectly seasoned and and poised, I think, to take over as as we get here in the final moments of the episode. It's it's all the it's Sabine. Handing the the dark saber back to Bo Katan, saying you have to do this. Everybody is here to pledge their allegiance to you, and all the clans yeah. are there. Yeah, we're we're here for you, Bo Katan. And I guess reluctantly she takes it, but I mean there was nobody else to do this. No, she's definitely a perfect fit to the job, and that's I think Pamela said no one else was better for it unless he they had to introduce another clan or uh, character to the mix and. With ticking time bomb on season four, I don't think they had time for that. So it's a good call that they made. Well, and here's where things get interesting. And I guess this is where we wrap in Corey's question. He's kind of asked us, what do we think the future has in store for Mandalorians? Where is this all going? Like, before we get there, do you think Sabine is eventually going to lead the Mandalorians? It seems like that should be her place, but yet... What's going to happen to Bo-Katan for her not to be the leader? Like, well, I, I feel like it's got to be Sabine at some point. Uh, Bo also mentioned that they're going to send everything to do to crush Mandalore. So I think that the Empire is going to go off to war with the Mandalorians. And we'll see. I would like to see it in Season 4, if possible. Or who knows, maybe another miniseries. In fact, I asked a friend... Um, I want to see Sabine's time with her family away from the ghost briefly. That could be a really cool miniseries. 
with her family, what they've been planning. Yeah, that would be that'd be great. I'd be all over that. Oh, me too. Because, well, I love Sabine too, as much as I do with Ezra. But Ezra's got like ah, 25% more edge on her. So, <laughs> you know, that, that would be a, a really fun story. And whether they tackle that in a, in a comic book or a novel, I would, I would be down for either. And especially if they did the audio book and got the same, the voice actors back. Yeah. I'm oh, yeah. totally in for that. Me too. Me too. And it, it would help me to under, continue to understand Mandalorian culture and what they're all it's about. It's so vast. It's so huge. That's the they impression I get, a... but yet again, like I said at the outset, I, I don't know what their place is in the universe. I I just feel like they're there because they're there. They're like Spartans. Yeah, and there's a, they said there's thousands of planets full of Mandalorians. So come on, let's see some more. He did say that, didn't he? I forgot about yeah. that. Uh, I don't know what he said that. Was, he said it in Rebels Recon. I'm trying to remember if it was season two or three. I think it was two. You're right, though. He did say that. So there's maybe that's the future of, of, of Mandalorians, right? I, I feel, to me, this can't be it. Like, there's got to be something more. Because, I mean, they were brought into Star Wars. You know, our, our first brush with them was, was with Boba Fett, who I don't even think him or Django are real Mandalorians. It just... No. No. But there was a nod off in one of the... In the final shots of part two, um, the design on one of the clan leaders looks identical to Boba's. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's not surprising. But I, I, I gotta wonder, like, what are... If there's so many of them out there, they must serve a bigger purpose in the galaxy because right now they don't do anything. No, but they've been always, you know, Mandalore is our own thing. We don't really need support, which it's kind of funny. They've been fighting and fighting and fighting. And then Ezra and Kanan come. Like it took two Jedi to help out too. Uh. Yeah, there's obviously an allegiance going there. Or at least they're allies. They trust each other to a degree. Well, I think it's only because Sabine. That's it. She is definitely the the connective tissue between those two groups. For sure. Yeah, Kanan as well. I think he's kind of bridged that gap a little bit, him and Fen. Oh, yeah, for sure. When, you know... Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, ha they have a longer history, you know, back in the Clone Wars. Right. Well, uh, Kanan? Yeah, did... I, I know the episode you're talking about, the, something about the Concord Dawn. <clears throat> uh-huh. Uh, I think it was season two... Episode, either twelve, thirteen, or fourteen. Yeah, so in that in that area, and Kanan did mention something about that, right? And if you read um, Kanan, the Glass Padawan, the yeah. comic series, that that's also been touched too. Fan was in that briefly. He was. You're right. Yeah, that was a good miniseries. That's one one of the better ones. Oh, I enjoyed that comic a lot. It was really good. It definitely filled the hole between from Jedi Temple to runaway rebel with a crew. Yep. Uh, I, I, I was sad to see that miniseries go. Me too. It could do so much more with that. Maybe like Kanan, the last Jedi Master, which isn't true, but... 
Hey, you never know. We'll 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 find out here in the next few months. Uh, but back on Sabine and the Mandalorians. <laughs> do you? Th- War. War's coming. War's coming back. Yeah, because they said they said that every, like the Empire's going to bring everything right to to crush out. Oh my God! Wouldn't that be awesome in the second half of season four? If we saw a huge war between an empire and Mandalorians. Well, yeah, it would have to be the the empire uh, versus the Mandalorians, and I would I would assume that the rebels would have to pitch in and return the favor that that the Mandos gave the rebels at the end of season three. But, uh, I, but I aesthetically wonder... speaking, the animation, the the weaponry, the dog fights. I'm dreaming right now, actually. Yeah, because we we don't really know anything about the second half, right? No, we know nothing. Nothing. So they very well could bring back all the Mandalorians. And one of the questions we have is if the Rebels and the Mandalorians are so tightly knit, where are the Mandalorians during the original trilogy? So my theory at the moment is that either the Empire shows up to Mandalore and there's a huge battle, in which all the almost all Mandalorians are wiped out, or um, the Mandalorians help the rebellion with Lothal, but again, still get almost entirely wiped out. In each case, in either case, Sabine lives, in my opinion, and then she becomes a leader of Mandalore, because I, I would assume Bo-Katan would probably get smoked at some point in, in that battle. Actually, it's a valid point because my one of my friends we talked about this actually, and he's like, it kind of freaks me out because he loves Amandos very much. He he's read Karen Travis's books too, so it they're very dear to him. So you got a point there. I I don't want to see it the Mandos wiped out, but that's actually a really interesting theory because the continuity has to be still kept intact for. To all work. Right, yeah, you still have to kind of... And, unless in the Mandalorians at some point, they just tell the Rebels, okay, this is it, We've, you've helped us, we've helped you, this is where we sever ties, we're going back to being a neutral society, go away. Oh, come on, they can't resist Ezra, though. Come on, he's a charmer. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still thinking about that, but... I mean, come on, when Ezra said, like, uh, to get... Uh, are you with Sabine? Yeah, with Sabine. Like, come on, how how te- how much teasing can you get with with his pa- with her parents and his interaction? And then when Ursa asks if he's okay, when they when it like they dodge that rocket for that speeder, better than the bike. <laughs> and then and then there's Tristan too, a Bridger. It looks like I have to finish your mission. That Dana Core was the easiest mission. Look, his in- the interaction with him in the Mandalorians is so priceless. It's so good. Yeah, that was. Pr- oh. I-, I thought that was pretty fun. Come on, Dave, just put them together. I know fate's made and recording's done, and and the plot's already been you know finished forever. But come on, just fix fate if you need to. Just give us what we <laughs> Save want. Save us. Save our head cannon. <laughs> yeah, I, I I wonder. I I guess it could go any number of ways. But I, I think if they declare neutrality, and that's the reason why they're not in the OT, I would be pretty disappointed with that. But it would, I guess it does technically leave the door open for future stories. 
mm-hmm. then again, like Dave said, if there really are thousands of worlds populated with Mandalorians, big deal yeah. if we lose this group, right? Good luck, Empire. You're going to have a lot of like forces to spread thin. Just leave them alone. Don't pick a fight. Just leave it alone. Yeah, leave a sleeping dog lie, as they say. Uh, no, don't poke the bear. <laughs> or that. Um, all right, we're. I think we're getting towards the end here. Any anything else you want to hit on before we we uh-huh. sign off? Uh, here. Um... Do, do you have a a singular favorite moment? All the Ezra moments. All the Ezra moments. All the Ezra moments. Well, also... and I like how. How like Sabine and Bo, Darksaber and Blaster. It's like, whoa, whoa, it's just me. <laughs> I, I will see all your Ezra moments and raise you a chopper poodoo. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That Still was pretty good, though. I'm so looking forward to seeing more Ezra in, in uh, season four. And you know what? Um, like, we're going to also see more Sabine and Ezra interaction because they're going to be separated in part two of Name of Rebellion because, like, in the descriptions, they were talking about that. They're, they're what saw. So, I like, and when Ezra said they're on the verge of losing a war against the Empire, you know, I think he kind of sees, saw, saw his point of view. And for Sabine, I wonder how she's going to react to Ezra's thought. Yeah, like Ezra's still very impressionable, right? Like he's he's very easily influenced. He he almost got sucked in by Maul. Oh yeah, and yeah. it's not a stretch to think he could get sucked in by Saw and his uh, extremist ideology as well. I mean, in the beginning though, he didn't see it. Then again, he just fought Amanda War. Yep. Oh man, I I can't wait to watch name in the name of the rebellion next week. It looks like it's gonna be the start of something pretty big. Speaking of, I'm going to be um, writing an article about the difference between uh, Saw and Mon Mothma. I really love that interaction between a polished politician and a gritty soldier. Yes. Okay, cool. I can't wait to read that. And um, I've got also a couple of listeners who posted their thoughts. So I'll do that. Well, yeah, like tell, let's let's get those people interacting with us. Don't yeah, they, they don't need to be shy. No. I mean, the, the best part of this little group that we've got going is is the the fan base and just you know everyone talking with everyone. And I and for the listeners who are listening right now, I also set up a uh, Facebook page specifically for this show. The it's just called the show, the Bridger's Transmission. So Tanya said the premiere was awesome. Great way to start season four. And another fellow Canadian, her name's Melissa, also said, where is her response? So she was at Fan Expo, so this is her response. I saw episode at Fan Expo, but it was nice to see it again. We were all cheering for the Empire at the con. So I didn't didn't really get to watch it the first time. As As for episode, I was surprised to see Disney go as dark as they did for a kid's show. Such a fine, <clears throat> excuse me, such a fine balance to walk, isn't it? Yeah. Like they want to satisfy older fans, but yet <laughs> the show is on Disney XD. Yeah. 
There's and it's not Cartoon Network where you know you can get like the Clone Wars gritty. Um, it's somewhat. I kind of like the animation a lot more still in the Clone Wars because it just feels more realistic. The animation in, in Clone Wars was was yeah. outstanding. And then I also um, talked with a, another podcaster and blogger. Her name is Shay, and I hope I'm going to pronounce this right. I think it's called the Elven Padawan. And she was talking about how we didn't see Corky. Which kind of, you know, she's got a valid point. Corky was a beloved Mandalorian in The Clone Wars 2. Why do I, I recognize the name, but I can't, <laughs> I don't know. He, he was Satine's nephew. I don't, and I don't think he was um, Bo's um, mother. So there must have been another sister involved or brother within, you know, Bo and Satine. So. That's interesting. So thank you, uh, Shay, for pointing that out. Because I really, that is a valid point. Yeah, and uh, Melissa, Shay, and Tanya, thank you, thank you guys for listening and for for all the feedback. And also to you other listeners too, I want to hear. We want we want to hear your feedback. So leave us a message, either on the Bridge of Transmissions or just contact, you know, just us. Yeah, hit up the yeah the, the Bridge of Transmission Facebook page or the Tumbling Saber Facebook page, or you find us all on Twitter. There's, we've always got conversations going there, so and come join to, us. To, to suck you guys more in, and some of you already know, but I'm also doing a like little mascot. Been at this now for about uh, six weeks with a daily photo of Kinder the, the White Loth Cat, inspired by Dave himself when he went to Expo and started taking pictures of this, the, the cutest loth cat you can ever get. <laughs> Yeah, Kinder. Kinder. I named him after Kinder Surprises. And I think for Americans, it's called Wonder Balls. Interesting. They're, they're in egg-shaped form. Why not just call them Kinders or Wonder Balls everywhere? I like Kinder. Childhood favorite t- chocolate. They are pretty good. I'll give you that. Oh, yeah. I bet you your kids love them. Oh, they do. But the, the, the toys drive me crazy. Oh, well, they're just so <laughs> worth it, though. I wonder if somebody has the complete collection. That's, you know how long that would take? That seems to be rather impossible. Yeah, it does. It's like almost having a Star Wars collection. It's ever so growing. You probably need a warehouse. Probably. You're probably right about that. But anyway, this is where we wrap up Episode 2 of Bridge of Transmissions. No, not Episode. Transmission 2. All right, Transmission Trans- 2. <laughs> Transmission two of the Bridger transmissions, or just wrap up Bridger transmissions number two. No transmission. It sounds more rebellious. I'm I'm a rebel scum. People who follow <laughs> me and know me, they know this. Uh, well, wait, hey, look, we're still working out the kinks. Yeah, still working out the kinks. And we probably will be all season long, to be honest with you. And we're not. We're ninety eight episodes deep now into our regular show, and we're still working out kinks. Huh. It, it never ends. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. M, this was fantastic. I think we, we're off to a really rocking start here. Do you want to feature our uh, Twitter tags? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Mine is emalum52, E M 
A-L-L-A-M-5-2. And you can find Corey at, I'm, I can't give it his flair, that's his deal, but you can find Corey at <laughs> Chop Rules with a Z. I, and I still feel like I'm, I, I'm a bit of a traitor for not calling it a Z, being a Canuck and all, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it Corey's way. Chop Rules with a Z is where you can find Corey. And I am at Tumbling Saber on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram. Come check us out. Like I said, we want, we want to talk to all of you. We love the fan base. Come, come over to the Rebel Pride. We have cookies. Lots of cookies. Loads of cookies. Chocolate chip, pumpkin pie, you name it. You name it. It's all in the green room, and we'll, we'll share it all with you. All right, everybody. Have yourselves a great weekend, and uh, we'll be back in, in a week's time with uh, parts one and two, a spoiler re- review of In the Name of the Rebellion. Can't wait for that. And so until then, we'll talk to you on, with on you. <laughs> we'll talk to you online and may the force be with you all. Bye.